Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just booked Captain Dick for a children's party. It's Richard Herring! Oh, I'm back on the right side. Oh, I, can't, I, I know you guys weren't here last week, but... It was, I had to go over there on the other side of the stage and it was uh, terrible. You're much better. They were awful last week's audience. So uh, it's, you're much uh, horrible, horrible people who approved of the idea of murdering your parents. It's awful. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, but I was talking to Dave the Soundman from off of Challenge Annika. He's a proper sound man, George. Not, he's good. He's good at doing it. He calls it Rahalastabas. I don't know if that's going <laughs> to catch on. Um, I, I'm not going to say too much before we bring on our guest. Uh, I do have a book out at the moment. It's called Can I Have My Ball Back? I may mention it a couple of times. Um, quite a lot of people listen to this podcast, and um, I made what might be considered a, a foolish bet with the author Richard Osman uh, that, that my book would sell more copies than his. I thought, <laughs> is this his third one? I thought, you know, interest is going to die off, and it going but if you all bought a copy of the book and maybe another 15 or 20 copies for your family, 
We might get there. It is for sale uh, in America and Canada uh, from January as well. So if you're in America and Canada, you know, just surprise. If you could all, if everyone in America and Canada listens to this podcast, it would, that would be a drop in the ocean, unfortunately. Uh, but thank you very much for coming along. Uh, do support us uh, if you can. Uh, by uh, coming to a show at some point. We're doing one in Leicester in uh, February. We'll be back at the Leicester Square Theatre uh, throughout January to March and May to July. I can't remember what the dates are, but they're nearly every Monday. I'll be here just trying to find someone to interview. And there's some fantastic guests coming up. And let's crack straight on. My guest this week uh, last appeared on this podcast in 2015, I think. I can't believe it. Uh, she is probably best known for her appearance on Kilroy, the... Uh, that's why we're here. She was on Kilroy. Will you please welcome the incredible Victoria Corrin Mitchell? Here she is from Kilroy. Come here, and like last time, she has brought her bag onto stage, which is what you did last time. Remember, you brought your bag on last time. I always, I always have my bag. Yeah, you, know, you can't trust. But you can't trust George. I need my stuff. Okay. I need it near. That's fair enough. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about being on Kilroy? This chair is uncomfortable, isn't it? Thank you. Um, yes. I, I was, was on sitting Kilroy. on that last week. That's why it's probably uncomfortable. Oh, I see. Yeah. Gallant to the last. <laughs> on Kilroy. Yeah. Yes. And I was very young. Yes. I was on Kilroy. Do you even remember what that is? Was that sort of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like an English version of. I, I, like the Ricky Lake show or something. There was like a deb- it was a debate. And I was on... <laughs> I'd, I'd written something. I used to write for the papers, and I'd written something about... I think it was something... I'd, I'd made some reference to the... Uh, something about sex or something about... I can't remember what it was, but anyway. The, com- the debate was about whether you should save yourself for marriage, right? Which is... I don't know if people still do that. Some people yeah. must. It was about that. And... I was there to give an opinion that this wasn't really necessary, despite the fact I'd had... If I'd had any sex, it wasn't much. But that was my... You know, just an opinion. And at the beginning of the show, Robert Kilroy Silk, and it's live, had a lady sitting next to him, and he said, this is whatever her name was, she's 32 and still a virgin, waiting for marriage. Then gestured to me and said, this is Victoria, she has the opposite view. (laughs) (laughs) gave the audience the impression I was representing something that I very much wasn't. I mean, chance would be a fine thing at that age. And I genuinely remember this life. Everybody just kept referring back to Victoria's lifestyle. At one point, an old lady shouted, I'd be surprised if Victoria didn't have some sort of disease. <laughs> Lie. Live on the TV. So that was, I'm glad you, you brought that yeah. happy memory. I'm, I'm glad I did. Back. I was quite pleased to find that. Uh, mm. So... Not on this. You won't find that on IMDb. You have to dig, <laughs> dig deep to find that one. What happened to Kilroy? Kilroy was. Did he say something racist and then not he, be allowed he to? He sort on of. TV? He went a bit. Uh, UKIP. Wasn't he, he went he? a bit UKIP. Um, Before UKIP, it was something else, wasn't he? he was in some party. He was the head I think of, he didn't. He, did, he start p- his own party of yeah. some kind. Yeah. And then he made a few, let's say, questionable remarks. Okay. And now I think he doesn't trouble the screens much. <laughs> yeah. Still go. He's still alive though, right? Well, as far as I know. As far as time of recording. Until someone puts a pillow over his face. It's a reference to last week's show. I'm not advising it. I am quite interested in the teenager Victoria Corrin. 
Okay, well, that doesn't sound creepy. <laughs> it's all right. I was a teenager at the same day, time, okay. so it's, it's, it's allowed. Uh, we, start, we have uh, someone to bring on some drinks for you, Victoria. Ooh. Victoria Ooh. had some very... We had to send someone out for her. I said I wanted a can of Coke. They really had <laughs> Coke Zero. Thank you so That's, much. That's uh, Ben Walker there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm very much indebted to him. Have you noticed this is a thing, though? It's really hard to just get a sort of full-fat drinks now. Everyone's so healthy. <laughs> um... Yeah. Let's pour your coke. Thank you. We can we can we can cut this out or leave it in. Just the pouring of Coca Cola. <laughs> the choice of our, our generation is not probably a very good generation. Do you know? I'm going to tell you this one thing, and I don't mean this time to talk about the porn film I made. I don't want to discuss okay. it. But I'm going to say one thing because I know you're interested in that. I'd made a porn film, and you'll think what people often ask me is, well, "You were in that?" No. I directed it, but the, I do, the only cameo appearance I make is there is the sound of me <laughs> opening a can of Coke behind the camera while someone gets a blowjob. <laughs> that answers two questions. The two questions I most often ask, yeah. one, are you in it? Two, was it sexy? Yeah. And I think that question answers both of them. So sexy, I needed a can of Coke. <laughs> Quietly, Ada. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. I'm not going to. I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to talk no, about that. No, because you're cutting that bit out. So that's I'm good. Go- okay. Um, I, I no, because you know, obviously, your dad was was a very successful journalist and TV personality, and I, and I think people probably imagine that that helped you in your career, but it's not really the. I mean, I think you you got a job writing about the Magic Roundabout yeah, annual. No. Oh, I see. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't really a journalist. He was a humorist. I don't know if yeah. that's a, a, a career that exists now, but he, he wrote humorous prose, like, like kind of Perelman and Thurber. And he was sort of a TV personality, but again, not like it was, not like it is now. I mean, no. you, you weren't, a, a, they didn't have celebrities in that way. It obviously did help. Not in the way people think. Because I think now, with the internet and everything, famous people, and then you see who their children are, and they put pictures of their children, and you almost, they're celebrities before they've even done anything. Yeah. So if they then want to be on TV, they're kind of already famous. So I think people imagine that, or they imagine him sort of ringing up and saying, I think my daughter would like to be on television. It wasn't like that. But um, obviously, it, it, it you, makes you realise that a life like that is possible in this and what i wanted to be was an actress but i wouldn't have thought that was possible and people who are the children of actors they just go and do that don't they but i would have thought well that's ridiculous how would i ever get to be in anything and the huge advantage you have if if your parents have made any kind of success of the of the creative industry is you believe oh maybe i could write stories and sell them for money that's what i wanted to be was a writer yeah and it didn't seem like a crazy idea as opposed to when my father's experience which is that obviously they thought well ideally he'll be you know something in trade he'll have a skill like you know plumbing or something and when he said he wanted to be a writer they thought he was off his head <laughs> whereas you know you get that sort of sense that it might um I realise I'm giving careers advice, but th- that's where. No, well, it was of course in. you do. I mean, that happens in most uh, jobs that people uh, tend to yeah. go go towards whatever their parents do. I mean, it wasn't an active. I started weirdly early. I, yeah. I sort of I would used to send off things to get published, but it was always in uh, fake names yeah. and that sort of thing. So it wasn't necessarily. It wasn't the more. It wasn't a straightforward nepotistic advantage. It's just a kind of belief thing. Yeah. 
But then that's quite so you but you you were very successful as a teenager, or at least successful enough to you had your newspaper column in the Telegraph, which yes. presumably led to the Kilroy was that <laughs> yeah. the one that led to yeah, the Yeah, no, Kilroy? I won a competition. So I used to write short stories for magazines that I sent off under under false names. And I won a, uh, I won a competition to have a column in the Daily Telegraph. So again, when you say you were successful as a teenager, I was a totally failed teenager. <laughs> But I was a successful writer as a teenager. Yeah, but you were getting paid to write, which is that's an unusual thing to happen. You got the you got off the offer of writing a novel, which you turned down. Yes, but too difficult. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, no, difficult. yes, and and also the massive upside, you know, the dizzy heights of you know being the studio tart on Kilroy. So that was nice. Yeah, and well, and other TV appearances. So you got the, you know you were talking about in one of your columns recently and uh, about having a journal of embarrassing things, but you kept a teenage diary. You talked to. Uh, to uh, Rufus Hound about that on his show, as yeah. Annika did last week, um, and it's it's interesting because it's so it, you're you're very you seem a very insecure teenager in ter- as most of us were yes. in not in and but then every now and again you go I was on Wogan with whoever. No, yeah, it's really odd. Uh, no, there was <laughs> there was a particular bit in my teenage diaries. It was a very very odd adolescence in one way, completely normal. I think everybody, I mean, I hope everybody as a teenager felt full of self-loathing and confusion and kind of physically just awkward and rubbish. And I still feel that now. But through my teenagers... But in my diaries, you'll see... But I had this column in the paper and I was sometimes on the radio. So I... Particularly this section I found the other day where I'd written, you know... Everything's awful and I looked at such a boy on the bus and he didn't look back at me and I'm not popular, I've got no friends and I went to Ned Sherrin's birthday party and the only person I talked to was Frankie Howard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's no... Because as a kid, you think everything's self-evident. There's no explanation of why it would be bad to talk to only Frankie Howard. Nowadays, you know, that would be... That's who you'd want to talk to, isn't it? Somehow... I consider this yet another... I'm surprised Frankie Howard spent all the evening talking to you. From a, I... He lived quite near to us. In, uh, he lived in Wedmore when I, I lived in Cheddar. Uh, and uh, he certainly took a, he took a fancy to my brother-in-law and uh, chat, tried to chat him up in the, in the video shop. <laughs> so I'm surprised he spent the whole evening talking. Did he think you were a... a no, I, I didn't say he spent the whole evening talking to me. I mean, he was the only person <laughs> oh, I talked okay. to. Uh, it might have been, can you get out of the way? I'm trying to reach the bar. <laughs> yeah, no, but, that's, just... but that's, a, you know, that's a bizarre existence where you... you it's, it's just very interesting. And as you say, you, you see... You, you're, you're an interesting mix of characters, character, characterizations. I think characterise characters... I can't speak anymore. I should have drunk some full-fat Coke. Um, you're an interesting mix because you seem very in control and authoritative, and yet you this, there's this sort of softer, insecure side to you that's just come up there. You still said you still feel like, it, it, but like you did as a teenager now, where, where you're a very successful uh, <laughs> no, performer and there's no, writer. There's, things that I, there's some things I'm confident about, but none of it involving dealings with other people. Right. That's the... Anything? No, I, I. There is no social encounter I can have that I don't think went wrong. None, <laughs> none, none. 
if somebody says, you know, anything at the school gates, have you had a nice holiday? They go, yes, I did, thank you. I go, why am I such a twat? Why didn't I go, how was your holiday? Or, or tell an interesting story. Or, <laughs> it, it, it's, but that's normal, isn't it? Anything, I think it is normal, but it's maybe not normal for people who then put themselves on TV to, to talk about things. Or at least you don't, you don't feel... I mean, it's, it's honest to, to talk about it. I think maybe everyone feels it and, and don't talk about it. I mean, I'm the same, so I, you know, I, I, it seems like a normal... Also, I don't do that much on TV. It seems like I do because Only Connect is on all the time. (laughs) It's on now, for example. (laughs) It's always on, but that's pretty much all I do. And mostly what that is is me in a little community of other people like me in our comfort zone of quiz questions. I mean, compared to everyone else on that programme, you are the most socially adept person that's ever... (laughs) So that's that's definitely... I can see why you gravitated towards that. No. (laughs) It's not like that. We we understand each other. There are people who understand that the best way of having a social occasion is sitting in a row... Answering a quiz. <laughs> if other conversation comes up, then it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But if you're you're playing a game, a poker game, a bridge game, a quiz, you're not in the full spotlight of what interesting anecdotes do you have? Oh, none. No, but it, but you know, but you uh, you know you're ballsy in in that only connect. You know, you'll take jokes and you'll run them over a series sometimes, and sometimes mm. it takes. It takes a serious to understand what the joke was, <laughs> and that's quite that's a that's a very ballsy way to do comedy. To you know, it's because it's so deadpan and. No, I know. I, yes, all my jokes are private jokes. The the thing about the, we don't have a studio audience, which is amazing. Is I'm just there with yeah. a crew who are concentrating on the job in hand and six nervous people waiting to answer the <laughs> questions. So nobody's listening seriously. Nobody. Sometimes. A full two months after we've recorded something, I'll get a call from the channel or the executive producer saying, now, listen, this incredibly filthy thing you appear to have said in the middle, nobody heard it at the time. <laughs> No-one's listening. And so I, I remember when uh, hosting an episode of um, Have I Got News For You in lockdown, and you did it at home, you know, I had it on the Zoom in my house. And the producer said then, now, you're going to find it really weird because there's no audience, so any jokes you make will be met with absolute silence. <laughs> and I said, I, that's been the case for me for 20 years. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no gauge. You don't... <laughs> there's no laughter anyway. Yeah. So was it, it was an interesting choice for you to go on Taskmaster, which was quite a revelation, I think, for people who might not have seen you, have only seen you and only connect. It seemed like I'd be good at it, didn't it? Well, that's what you, you think. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I just assumed you could ride a bike. I would say, I'd say that. I just assumed that you were capable of riding, didn't have to learn to ride a bike on TV. <laughs> um, I mean, when David was on, who I think you know, uh, the, he, uh, he said he wouldn't do it because people that think he's clever and doing a show like that would show that he isn't as clever as people think he is. Did he say that about Taskmaster? David definitely has a view like... Why would they... You mean David... My husband did. I do mean yes, sorry. He's, can, he's a, is there he's, another one you know? No, better? but they, he's a comedian. Anyway, know, I'm married to a comedian. And he, no, shows like uh, sort of mastermind, you know, they make celebrity mastermind yeah. and pointless and that kind of That kind of show, he, like me, wouldn't do because you can't, because people would think we would know things. Yeah. So if we know things, people go, and I thought so smart ass. 
And if you don't know things, you're disappointing. So nothing to gain. A taskmaster isn't quite like that. I, I, I don't think David would enjoy taskmaster. I think he'd <laughs> I find, think he find he it very uncomfortable. Possibly not for that reason. <laughs> I, I, yeah. But, Did you enjoy Taskmaster? I mean, it's an amazing show. To oh, be hugely. Oh, I absolutely yeah. loved it. Again, it, it was a, a slightly lockdown version. I think it would be more fun yeah. to do it in the normal way with other people there. I was quite excited to leave the house, which yes. I, I did for that. But it was it was a little bit, you know, you couldn't do things with the other people. But no, I enjoyed it enormously. I mean, any kind of game playing I, I love. And also I'm not, in a way that people find surprising, at all competitive. No. So when I've done things like, um, I've done the old charity thing, like the Bake Off, there's a charity one, or there was a, a BBC Two show playing games at a dinner party. And you, people, when you see their what they call pieces to camera when they're interviewed for the camera. They're always saying, oh, Victoria being incredibly competitive. She loves to win. Because they assume, because I play poker, that's how I be. Not, couldn't give a toss. If there's <laughs> my own money at stake, obviously yeah. it's, it's nice not to lose. But so I so don't if, was a, if, there, if Taskmaster had a million pound prize, like poker does, would you have tried, a bit hard, would you have tried harder to win it? I, that, I'm not saying I didn't try hard to win it. <laughs> you know what competitive means? No. I, no, it's not that. <laughs> I, 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 of course, I tried my best. I yeah. always would. But I don't mind trying my best and turning out to be slightly rubbish. Yeah. I didn't really mind that. Well, but that, the thing with Taskmaster is you have to, you know, you have to be rubbish. If people weren't rubbish, everyone's going to be rubbish at something because it, it, it tests a wide variety of skills, <laughs> many of which you've never practised, like balancing polos on some spaghetti I'd never, whilst wearing mittens... I'd, I was not prepared for that as the final task. Uh, but, you, you know, you either do well or you don't do well. So it's, but, but you're going to do badly. That's, that's well, I, the, the tasks, I didn't like. They were really good fun. I tried really hard. I was rubbish at most of them. I'm not very physically, you know, I can't ride a bike. I can't do any of these things. I, I must say I was a bit crestfallen by how badly my prize tasks went. <laughs> Week after... Because I thought... I really misunderstood. I thought, well, it's, basically, it's a comedy show, isn't it? So they, when you have to bring in your prize thing, they're going to want something funny. So I really think about what's going to be funny. And, you know, having said that about the silence, it's different when there's other people there. So I was in a room, but it was, again, because of lockdown, there was no live audience. They played it to an audience later. So I'm just staring into the face of Greg Davis, and I bring something you know what's the, what's the best thing with a lot of layers and everyone's got you know layer cakes and this and that and i've got <laughs> a little plastic model of a chicken farmer because it's got la- no no <laughs> yes. it, layers you know but i i'd really yeah. and i would put things and other things i really thought they were quite funny and i brought them in and i'd say my joke to absolute silence <laughs> And Greg would look at me silently, and the other contestants would look at me silently. That's a different level of humiliation. <laughs> you know, not being able to sort of hit a balloon with a dart from a thousand feet is different. Here's a thing I thought was funny. It's not. <laughs> that was. I struggled with. Yeah, that. well, it'd be well. See, as we saw what it's like doing it in front of an audience, and what the reaction would have been. But it, similarly, our series was was the first lockdown series, so it was. But I think, and then I did. I thought yours. No, no ours was, ours was the champion of champions was the audience. So oh, okay. I had the weird, the weird experience of doing like complete silence where you're meters away from the next contestant to suddenly being in. A, it's an amazing experience with an audience. It's so so different, is and it? the audience is all around. You know, it feels like it's mm. on top of you. <laughs> and so I, I actually couldn't say the word taskmaster at the beginning. I kind of was 
so intimidated. I couldn't speak. I thought, this is going, <laughs> this is going well. And I couldn't even say the name of the show uh, because it was so weird having that audience there. But it, yeah, again, that lifts the atmosphere in a way. So it, it is, it's a yes. very strange. But then, like you say, you've, you're used to performing with, <laughs> with, with nothing to play off, so that's okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, I, I, I won my series. So, uh, it's, uh, well, I, we all noticed how you dropped. Oh, no, 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 the champion of the champions champion, we did with the oh, audience. I think I won that as well. Yeah, can't remember, I can't remember how I, how I did on that. I think I think I did win. Well, you talk about we'll talk about poker a little bit. Um, I was interested to see that you played poker with Steve Martin, though you said he didn't really engage very much. No, he didn't really. He, it was quite an ordinary. He sat in a baseball cup. There's no anecdote there. Yeah, he played in his hat and was all right. Not... But you have played with quite a lot of celebrities. Uh, what's the who's the the worst celebrity you've I mean, in terms of being maybe the worst player and the least the least enjoyable person to play poker. Oh against. well, that's you see. There's three different types of things. Okay. I mean, certainly Leslie Grantham, <laughs> Dirty Den from East End, was the worst at poker. Also, he killed a man. So, <laughs> not that I can answer for his. Not during the game, though. Not no, during wasn't. the game. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he was the least enjoyable to play no. against because that would be Eric Bristow. Okay. I mean, Leslie Grantham, he played a hand. I don't know how many poker players there are here. But I, um, he, he came for one series of something, like the Celebrity Poker Club it was, and I was doing the commentary. And he had a hand where he, he had some, an ace bit of spades, I think he had. And it came a, a flush draw. And he was calling and calling. I thought, he's not playing this hand very aggressively. You know, he, he had the, 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 the nut flush draw. He's not playing it very aggressively, but that's okay. And we couldn't explain, you know, why he was playing it like that. He wasn't betting, nothing. And we thought, oh, well, he's playing it slow. You know, you try and yeah. commentate kind of, oh, he's playing it slow. He's trapping them. And then the last card came and it gave him a flush and he immediately folded out of turn for no bet at all. <laughs> and it's really hard. It was just... He's just rubbish. I mean, we, <laughs> I wrote about... Do you remember the, the coughing major, Major yeah. Charles Ingram? I, I thought he probably wasn't cheating because when he came to Celebrity Poker Club at one point, he was bluffing, quite impressively, ran a really big bluff into Steve Davis. He was bluffing him and bluffing him. And, and on the river, he turned his cards over to reveal the bluff and the dealer said, oh, no, there's more betting. And he said, oh, I see. Turned his cards face down and moved all in. <laughs> <laughs> so, was, so Steve Day was like, oh, well, I, I call. <laughs> <laughs> so, they were, so they all played, you know, quite badly. Yeah. That um, does suggest that he might have had to cheat at Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, to be fair. I just thought if he'd have been clever enough to come up with a scam. <laughs> I don't know if he did. He should have done... You know, I think when he... The, 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 the allegation is that on the first day he had uh, pages in pockets and then it, someone outside the studio was ringing the answer in. I mean, I don't know why they just didn't put someone good in the chair. They should have got the guy... <laughs> <laughs> but then someone saw the guy on the phone and, and, and... But then the chess guy, who's supposedly cheating... Uh, well, the anal put, beads. Anal beads, that's what he should have done. That's it, the way to do it, isn't it? No-one's going up there on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> There aren't any anal beads. I, I think the chess guy might have had an earpiece. Right. I don't. I don't think. I don't an earpiece. Someone would spot an earpiece. I didn't it, say where the earpiece was. It's an, no, an that's piece. Um, <laughs> no, I, It's not anal. 
Anal beads, that's the best way. I've got anal beads in here and they're telling me, <laughs> they're telling me which question to ask and it's, it's working out fantastically. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't care what the, I don't care what the answers are. <laughs> as long as these things keep buzzing. <laughs> you, I don't even understand why anal beads are meant to be pleasurable. Why would that be nice? <laughs> that's might be too, might be too big. A, we, we have to get Kilroy back for that one. Here's <laughs> <laughs> Victoria. She doesn't think anal beads are pleasurable. <laughs> Whereas Richard is wearing anal beads, right? <laughs> Coming up a storm. Uh, I think some people enjoy uh, stimulation of their... Uh, I want to say pancreas, but that's not the right word. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to pretend that I'm, I'm a big expert on anal pleasure. And, that you um, are or that you're not? Well, I'm trying to pretend I am, but when, I, when, I, when I've name-checked the pancreas... Rather than the mean... pro- prostate, prostrate, the perineum. No, the perineum is no. good, but that's on the outside. I'm going inside, madam, but you know, you've got my vote if you <laughs> got to work your way. I've only got but do, one. But, but, the... but um... I'm torn because, on the one hand, we've got a live audience here and you're recording it. On the other hand, there's things I really want to know. <laughs> do you, is, it, is it like a like a necklace, and you, in, you put it in. Is that...? <laughs> it's, a, it's gone above my pay grade now. Okay, I, it's a, I, I guess, it, you know, it's, you've got to get it out again, haven't you? I think if you, just, if you start just putting beads up there and not, not threaded onto anything, you're going to start losing a couple. I... So I think it's got, to be con- it's got to be connected to something. Also, for any... Unless they've got Bluetooth. <laughs> they probably have Bluetooth now, right? It's got to be plugged into something, right? David? <laughs> so it's wireless. So he's got wireless anal beads. And then, I mean, what I want to know is, because it's quite complicated, a chess move, so it would have to be like a lot of buzzes, <laughs> wouldn't it? Like, this is the letter. It's quite a difficult thing to... The grid system is hard to, to work I, in a simple... I absolutely reject the notion that the chess player had... Okay. I don't think they were doing. There was that. a there was a recent poker cheating scandal. I mean, it's quite technical that one, isn't it? But you don't think they were cheating? She, I think, was definitely not cheating. Right. I, th- I, mean, I don't know, but I don't think so, because this was a hand where the situation it's a it's a very complicated one for kind of non poker players to see because she makes this call with Jack High and the chap's got seven eight, and you think what a miraculous call. But her hand isn't really ahead. It's hard to explain. Even though a jack is higher than an eight, her opponent had more cards to hit, so it's a terrible spot to get your money in. Yeah. And I just think there is no way, if you've got everything in place, that you know your opponent's cards and you always know when you're ahead, you would never put your money in, in that spot. You'd wait for a nice, simple situation where he's got sixes and you've got sevens and it doesn't look like cheating. Yeah. It, it, it's... Um, I think there were some bruised male egos there. He's lost a big pot. He's up against an inexperienced player who she's probably misread her hand or misread the situation, and he's irritated and he's throwing cheating allegations around, and, and people are quick to. Well, and that I mean, it happens quite a lot when you play people who don't know what they're doing that yeah. they get that they get flustered and they 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 call something where they you think. You can't possibly call that because you've got nothing. I know. And they, it, they still beat you because you were bluffing. Th- this hand with Leslie Grantham where he's... Why on earth is he calling with Ace Bit of Space if he's going to throw it away when the flush comes? It makes no sense at all. Yeah. That could just as easily be the other way around where he's calling with some other inexplicable hand yeah. and somehow wins and you would go, oh, he must be cheating. Yeah. But no, no. It's a stupid game, isn't it, poker? Yeah. 
where just someone who doesn't know what they're doing can win. I mean, it never gets it never gets to that stage, does it? With like, I mean, was that was that player really that inexperienced in that in that hand, or was was she a? She, I know people who've who've played poker with her. She she's probably not used to that level of scrutiny, and there's cameras there yeah. and lots of male egos, and she's sort of embarrassed. The thing about it is, it's it, it's a long game. It's a game of long term statistics. Any given hand, you can lose. Any given game, any given tournament. But the idea is, if you're a skillful player, year on year, you can't lose because a combination of your game selection, where you invest money. The aim of it is to, to lose the minimum when things are going badly and win the maximum when they're going well. And if you yeah. do that, lifetime you'll be ahead. Yeah. And you, you're doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> do, you think you're, do you think you're up overall over your whole career? Are you, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm taking a bit. <laughs> you know that time you won a million pounds? Do you think that covered your... I think I might, I might need a, you know, a, a million pound win to just get back to, to level again <laughs> after playing online for too long. Um, is, is, is the sexism going? I remember my worst, the worst person I played against, and I interviewed him as well on uh, Heads Up with Rich Herring, which I don't think I ever interviewed you on that for some reason. Yeah. Probably because you had more class than to come on. It was a, <laughs> that was a reasonable fee. Uh, John McCririck, who was, may he rest in peace, who was a slightly sexist man. But quite, he, I think I can't, I can't quite remember the tournament. But he, he went into the tournament. There were two female players in the tournament. It was a celebrity thing mainly, but there was a, there was a proper professional playing and, mm. and uh, somebody else who was doing very well. And I think it, it he it came down to him versus this woman. He'd said it was ridiculous women were playing, and yes. uh, but then he got to a situation where the nuts was on. You know, the, the board had hit the nuts. It was like a. Yeah. A flush or whatever that couldn't be beaten. I can't. It was something like that. Uh, and he and, she, and someone bet, and he folded. <laughs> he folded with the nuts was on the table. So he wasn't. A, he wasn't a good player, and he was a very nasty man. And and it was. I think the the women came first and second in the tournament, out yeah. of out of fifty people with only two women playing, which was that was quite satisfying to witness. Even though I got knocked early. Yeah, yes, I mean, look, what it doesn't do to be petty. There was a chap called Amarillo Slim that I was a big fan of. He turned out to be a bit of a nasty character, but he was just comically sexist. I mean, you would imagine that he would be. He was a sort of 75-year-old Texan <laughs> and a road gambler. But he was incredible. He would write these books saying things like, you know, a, a, a king is a king and a queen is his bedmate. He, he had a particular saying he used to quote a lot, a woman would have more chance of putting a wild cat in a potato sack than coming out to Texas and beating me. Right. And I remember thinking when he died, I've already won three times more money than you ever did. Good luck catching me now. <laughs> um, but, that, but that's petty because a lot of the time it's just... A, I mean, he was just an old Texan. I mean, that's yeah. how they are. That was the world he was in. And um, there's the other thing. But poker is... Um, you know, it's not a nice game. I love it, but it's not nice. It's a game of, of trickery and deceit and exploitation. The aim is to send other people skint. Your ideal situation, you've identified somebody vulnerable, weak, sad, maybe drunk, yeah. desperate, and the more money you can get out of them, the better. It's a horrible, horrible, genuinely, it's a horrible game. And a weird thing happened when poker went respectable that a lot of the people in the game wanted to sell it as this rather classy thing. During all the talk about this uh, cheating scandal, I've seen professional poker players on the internet saying things like, you know, it's not, it's not good for the game. We have to be respectable. We have to be above board. It doesn't look good to be backstabbing. What are you talking about? It's not badminton. It's a, it's a horrible game, and it, it, it's full of all sorts of 
you know, cheating. And, and I, I quite like it when these sorts of scandals come up, when people are revealed to be horrible. Yeah. I think it reveals some of, some of the truth of it. Yeah. You know, it, we, I had... I get letters sometimes. I got one quite recently from you know, a really nice girl but who said, oh, we're starting a women-only poker club and we wondered if you'd come along and give us a talk because, you know, it's, it can be intimidating for women to go into rooms, you know, with gamblers and they're all men and we just want to keep it friendly and can you give us some advice? And genuinely, my advice was play bridge. <laughs> bridge is a game that you can play with a partner, you don't need money, you can play without money, and it's fine. Ultimately, how nice do you want it to be? <laughs> At the end of the evening, your friends have lost money, they feel humiliated and sad, you've got it, you feel cocky and triumphant. <laughs> it's, you can never make it that nice. So what, you know, again, you were attracted to poker and gambling, as again, from a young, young, very young age. Mm. So... Again, what was what, what was it as a seven-year-old? Was it that you first got interested in gambling <laughs> that, that made you that made you want to make well, that a partly your career? I mean, it's hard to to pin down what your actual profession is because that's probably the thing that's made the most money. I, I know it goes beautifully at tax time. But when um, <laughs> no, when well, when I was little, I used to play cards with my grandparents and my grandfather. This is what I mean. I mean, my grandfather genuinely. If he could, he could win. If he could win all our pocket money, he he could get a packet of cigarettes. And he wanted the cigarettes, and we were quite easy to defeat. (laughs) So he would, he would deal. You know, twenty-one, which would be called blackjack in a casino. He would deal it, and he'd be the house, and we'd be the players, and we wouldn't understand there was a house advantage. And he would win and win and win and take our pocket money and buy himself (laughs) cigarettes. In a quite straightforward way. But that got, you know, it got quite addictive. And I like playing card games always. And then, I don't know, I, I, like, I like the world of it. I like the sort of mise-en-scene. I like the, the fact that it was a, a strange kind of underground. It is again now, actually. Yeah. A combination of first lockdown and then a bunch of new rules they've brought in. Nowadays, if you go into a casino, there's a lot of rules about you have to show ID and you have to show how you got the money that you're going to gamble with. Right. And people don't like it. So it's, it's pushed poker back underground again. There's a lot of illegal games. Obviously, I don't attend them, but <laughs> there's a lot more kind of dodgy underground gambling than there was maybe five years ago. Yeah. But, you know, you were, you were playing before it became, like, a trendy TV thing. Yes. And you were playing as a, you know, teenager, against largely against older men, I would, I would imagine. Yes. yes. So... What that, that's a kind of weird choice. I like older men. Yeah, that's fine. No, but I mean, I, I mean genuinely, I do. Yeah, I didn't. I, quite, I like the idea of spending time with men. I would have been too embarrassed to kind of flirt with them. I didn't expect them to be interested in me romantically, but I, I men were interesting. So the idea that if you played poker, you could be in a room with lots of them at the same time—I mean, it sounds really weird. I know. <laughs> As I say it, I hear how it sounds, but. Um, no, I, I, I always found... It's different now that I'm older. When I was younger, I found men to be quite easy company. Weirdly, it's, it's, it's a flip side of sexism, is that young women have so many anxieties to, to deal with, and society makes so much contribution to the idea that we would be always worrying about what do we look like, what are we wearing, what are we saying, how are we behaving. There's quite a lot of angst in young women, whereas young men are generally mucking about and trying to make each other laugh and talking about external things and taking the piss out of each other and sort of football and the news. And I found that 
an attractive atmosphere. Yeah. And um, obviously they make the old sexist remark, but not really. They, they just weren't really... Because like, I, I tried comedy first. I did stand-up comedy for a while. Very, very similar. It was similar in the, the live clubs. It was just sort of a lot of men trying to make each other laugh. And they sort of vaguely make a parsey, but basically they were interested in the comedy. Yeah. And, and gambling was the same as that. Right. It's it, different when you're older. Yeah. After, after about 35, women... I mean, with... This is, <laughs> With the exception of some people like yourself, Richard, women just just get a lot funnier and more relaxed, and men start to get preoccupied with other things, and they're easier to spend time with. Yeah, I'm not going to say yes. No, but I think it must be satisfying. I I remember, you know, I I remember like the way that poker players and men would, you know, I was sort of getting into poker when you were you'd you'd obviously been playing longer than I had. But I think like people were, dispar- you know, early on were disparaging of you and just thought, you know, there was a lot of sexism. It must have been incredibly satisfying to become like so successful because you, you know, you are. Even if you just won one tournament and they could have gone, oh well, that's just that was the luck yes. you got a jack high and it was lucky. You've what you know, you've won several tournaments. You've won t- how many uh, of the? Well, I won European... a, a, a couple of the of the main events yeah. and. A couple of the side events. No, I did quite well. I'm yeah. sort of retired now because I'd quit my sponsorship deal and, and had a child, and that's it's harder to also play poker. But no, I did do quite well. Uh, well, yeah, you I mean, did very well. I mean, it must be very. That's got to be satisfying. You must have known there was that that undercurrent of you know stupid guys, and then you just defeated them. Uh, I mean, yes, but at the same time. <laughs> he, 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 I don't know. It's, it's difficult with compliments, and I don't mean to go. Oh, yes, no, I'm great. It, it's um, the important thing is to keep making people believe that you're kind of an idiot. Yeah. So I was very happy to keep going into tournament situations in, in a sort of flustered way. And um, if the people in international tournament poker think it was a coincidence that I won <laughs> a few events, that's fine with me. Okay. I was very good at making people think I was an idiot, but not so good at making that into a winning strategy. I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> they saw me coming. I, 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 haven't, play, I haven't played much, I, I, but I, I think it's such a recently. But it's such a fascinating. It is a fascinating game and mm. a sport. Is it a sport? No, no game. It's a game, but it is a game. You know, it's but having the patience to really understand it and really get into the mathematics of it, which you which you need to do. Yeah, no, I mean it's it is it's 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 a compelling game. Just because it it it's different with each person that plays it, and always the personality of the individual and the experiences they're having change the way they play the hand. I, I, that may also be true of chess. I don't know. I don't understand the game well enough to know. Yeah. But with poker, because so many dynamics come into play in terms of who wants to have the upper hand, and it's just it's a it's, it's a human drama all the time. It is, and when you get it, I mean, you know, I've had nights where I've got. I've realised where I am in the table and I've realised I can win and yeah. have won. That's very satisfying. It's great. And I can imagine when great tennis players, of which I am not one, <laughs> they, they talk about when you're on your game, it's like the ball is travelling very, very slowly. And so even though to us it looks like this incredibly fast serve and then to, you know, whoever, Goran Ivanisevic, it's, it's like the ball's running very, very slowly. He's got all the time in the world to get into position for it. So it's like that sometimes with poker. It all goes very quiet and you think... I can hear what you're thinking. There's <laughs> nothing you can do. I, I can feel when you're confident, when you're nervous, when you're pretending. I can just 
tap into it. And it's, 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 it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Good. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Let's, I'm going to ask you an emergency question. We'll get off poker, because okay. I could talk to you about it all night. Uh, and, uh, you know, some people not, might not be interested in idiots. Um, <laughs> do, well, do, you think you, the, do you think your obituary photo has already been taken, Victoria? <laughs> Well, it depends. Where's the obituary being published? I, it's, Good question. It's amazing. If you type my name into the images bit of Google, in 90% of the pictures, I'm quite heavily pregnant. Right. And so they all date from sort of probably about three occasions <laughs> when I left the house or did a TV show when I was pregnant. But there's something, and again, I, one can get paranoid I don't know if it's a, a, a sexist thing, but it's from a long time ago. I think there's certain outlets that really take pleasure in women looking not their best. Well, obviously, it looks lovely to be pregnant, but if people don't know you're pregnant, and then you're all kind of weird. Yeah. It's not how you normally look. Yeah. So, and they're very unfair, and they come up so often. In fact, I think I even wrote to you about some <laughs> ancient picture. Like, Where did you find that one? There was a picture that was taken. This was an interesting thing. After my daughter was born, we would occasionally get get papped, you know, you, people would take pictures and you, didn't, you don't know they're there. And times when we'd be taking her for a walk in the pram, you wouldn't see anybody and then this picture would appear. And invariably, I, David would be looking like this magnificent father. And I, there was one where I was... We'd gone to a cafe and I think I'd briefly handed her over to him while I quickly ate some spaghetti. And I was like forking in this bit. The caption was something like David Mitchell, the caring, hands-on father, as Victoria enjoys another meal. <laughs> there was one, and there was one particularly, I thought, interesting caption where 
we, we were walking along the road, and I, I you know, I, you know how it is. Like about a week after you turned up, I was an absolute wreck. I was in some dress that I picked up off the floor. You know, something got sick on the shoulder, and my hair wasn't washed. I, my hand was in a sort of bandage thing because I had, I mean, I, just. <laughs> Not to you know revolt you, but I had a sort of RSI because when you're breastfeeding, you you don't you, you sort of hold a baby in a position you're not quite used to. You sort of hold it on there. This your hand is anyway. I won't go into detail, but so I had this sort of so I've got, imagine I've got a bandaged hand, unwashed hair in this dress, and these sort of red shoes that have been near the door. Awful. I'm wheeling the pram. No idea there's anyone there. And there's this picture, the, certainly the most unflattering picture I've ever seen. The caption was <laughs> David Mitchell. Every inch the relaxed and casual father <laughs> in navy blue, while Victoria puts on a summary display <laughs> in red and green. And I, okay, I'm not putting on any kind of a display. The, I've just left my house yeah. and someone's taken a picture from behind a hedge. But in using the words puts on a display, just subtly put the idea in the minds of the reader that I've sort of come out going, get this. <laughs> So, yes, I assume one of these terrible, unflattering pictures... I would love it if that was your obituary photo. I just, I just now hope I outlive you, which is not very likely, <laughs> and I can somehow make that happen. Yeah. There's some <laughs> awful pictures. I, think so. I don't really care enough what I look like. Yeah. I care a bit, but not really. I mean, as I said, it was a bit earlier today. Well, no, they, they, you do, this isn't just audio now, is it? You sort of film this. I should probably... Maybe I should go to the hairdresser. Oh, I'm not immortal. I'll just brush it. I can't, and it's like with Only Connect, people write every week, where did you get that? I don't know where I got that. I just put it on. And you think, OK, look, you've got to look sort of vaguely clean and presentable. But the amount of time you're supposed to invest in planning your wardrobe and doing your hair and makeup for public appearances, I just... I can't bring myself to care enough. So there's a lot of bad pictures. <laughs> but that's, you know, this is one of the kind of hidden prejudices in society, uh, you know, that has come up a couple of times, actually, of just, as a man, you don't have to spend any time, you know, you can, and there are very some very well-groomed and handsome men, but as a man, you don't have to spend any time thinking about what you're wearing no. or putting on makeup or even brushing your hair. I mean, I look at sight in some of these... But just look at the photos. So, but as a woman, you've got to you know, at least think about that. That's at least part of it. It's, and it, that's where people who who say, "Oh, society is now equal." It's that kind of thing where they they're not yeah. even thinking about that. No, no. But um, okay. Um, if you could go into a chrysalis, I don't want to ask you. I'm going to ask you. If you could go into a chrysalis, dissolve, and come out as something completely different, like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, or something the same. What would you come out of your chrysalis as if you get to choose what you turn into? <laughs> what, a sort of a different entity? It could be anything. That's why I'm going to leave it up to you. Uh, something so- without consciousness. Right, wow. Which sounds bleak. But it I... does. That's just death, you know. That is dying. That's just dying. <laughs> you go into a chrysalis, yes, it's called a coffin, and you slowly melt, and then you, are, then you have no consciousness. Oh, yeah, but don't forget, I'm not an atheist, so I don't think that. Okay. So, aha, I've got you there. And you'll be thinking, no, I've got you there. But think one more move, no, I've got you there. <laughs> but self-awareness is torturous, partly in that awkward social way that we're yeah. talking about, but also... Obviously, if you think about, you know, the, the finite existence in this life is, 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 is harrowing. And if you really understood it, you'd be constantly screaming. So I think to, <laughs> to be something like a tree yeah. would be quite calming. Yeah. 
Is that a jolly answer? No, that's good. That's a, that's a very nice answer. I was trying to think. Some, it might have been you. Uh, I've been I've been reading so many books because I've I've been t- I'm doing like five interviews uh, in this coming week. In fact, two today. I'm sorry, one last week. Uh, one one on Sunday. Uh, I'm interviewing Richard Osborne about his book, and I can't remember where this is. But something about is there a squid that lives for fifteen thousand years? Was that something you said? That, or is that no, something? it was Annika Rice said it. I think. It wasn't me. Squids, like, so there's some sea creature that lives, lives for, like... A what? Jellyfish. A jelly... Might be a jellyfish. I mean, they've got no... A squid yeah. do live a long time. You know about perineums and jellyfish. And I like... <laughs> See me after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to be a jellyfish that lived for 15,000 years but had no real consciousness? Would that, would that appeal to you? Yeah, but, I mean, if, it, it doesn't really matter whether it's 15,000 years or... Doesn't if you're or, jellyfish or, or, or it's fucking five shit years. All the time. It's infinite or it's finite. That's yeah. that's the difference. Yeah, it's not infinite though, is it? N- well, uh, I don't know how it would seem to the jellyfish. Yeah, I, fifteen. I mean, yeah, we get. But time. even if you if you die and go to heaven, like you believe, um, <laughs> it's not going to be infinite. You know, it's not, I it's feel it would be possible for you to simplify that more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get bored after, like, 100,000 years floating around. Well, maybe it's a different sort of consciousness. Now is not the time for that debate. You have to assume it wouldn't be like being a 15,000-year-old jellyfish. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. I think that's my best question, that chrysalis one. Because, you know, there's so many ways you can answer it, and you'd be a tree. Uh, Well... (laughs) What's the best answer you've had? I don't, they're all good, because they all reveal something, because it's such a weird question, and it's a, such a... You know, if I could be bothered to be a therapist about it, I can't. I'm just going for the easy laugh. But I think it <laughs> says more about the guest than any other question. So someone should go through that as their university thesis. Let me do a few more. And then, but it's uh, ironic that I it said something that sounded terribly depressed, because actually, at the moment... You know, I'm superstitious to say, but everything's quite nice at the moment. I've, I've had various bleak times. Now everything's quite good. I just don't want this bit to stop, which is why I think if you were a tree, you wouldn't know that it was going to. <laughs> and that, that's why that's appealing. Yeah, then someone could cut you down with, a, you, with an axe. Would... <laughs> I mean, that could happen to you as a human being as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't reckon it hurts as much for trees. Do you reckon hurt trees get... Feel, Feel pain when they're chopped down? No. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll try and get. I'll try and move away from. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely haven't asked you this question because I last touched you in 2015. Um, uh, if you could, if all the art galleries and museums in the world got together and we said we love Victoria and we want to give her something to say how much we appreciate her, and they said you can take one thing out of all the art galleries and museums in the world, what one thing would you like to possess? Probably the gift shop, because <laughs> I, I love an art gallery gift shop. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the, they, I it's all like bookmarks and pencil sharpness and things you'd never really use, but they're great. Although, if you mean an artwork, which you probably do, a weird thing happened to me this summer. Okay. I saw the statue of David, Michelangelo's David, nice. in a gallery in Florence, and I cried. Wow. And I... I um, don't identify as the sort of person who cries in an art gallery. I'm the sort of person who stands in an art gallery thinking, how long are you meant to stand in front of the thing? <laughs> when do you move on? I don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. 
you know, I wouldn't be properly kind of... But I really was. It's kind of amazing. And I was actually moved to tears. But I didn't mean to say I necessarily wanted in my house. No. Because um, would, there wouldn't be room for anything else. But it's, it's, it's good. It's worth going to see. Okay. I mean, I'm sure people have said that more poetically. <laughs> no, I'm not at all. I'm, st- I'm just thinking of cock jokes, and I'm, I'm not going to do... <laughs> I'm not going to do them. I'm not going to do any of them. I thought of loads, because it was a beautiful moment. I saw La Pieta, in, uh, which is in the Vatican somewhere, in it, one of that big church in the Vatican, St Peter's, uh, and that, I thought that was pretty good. Though it's, the proportions are wrong, but it's, I, I, it did that. Move, as an 18-year-old, that moved me. That's, that's pretty impressive. But, yeah, other than that. Pretty much all art, I don't get. <laughs> but you see, you'd think, again, I, I would think you would be the last person to say, get the gift shop. And you're, that you, that you, but you're no, but I don't know very much about art. It's, uh, at the moment, uh, I'm uh, oddly writing an essay about Grayson Perry for a catalogue of, a, of a, a retrospective exhibition that he's having, like a big exhibition that he's having at the National Galleries of Scotland. And I, they asked me to do it, and I sort of said, I just I don't know anything about art i seem like the kind of i mean i'm a fan of grace and perry but i seem like someone who would know and i'm not and they are claiming no no that's what we want we want somebody who's non-art world but i don't think they mean it and i'm going to send this <laughs> essay in and then they'll see i don't know about art right i mean you are very smart and you are very clever so it, it is it is fair that people assume that of you it being clever doesn't mean you can ride a bike that's the, you know, no, it, does, it, doesn't it, it, it doesn't follow. So, it, in fact, often being clever means you can't ride a bike because you've done others. Why didn't you learn to ride a bike <laughs> when you were a child? I, because I grew up in central London. Yeah, but there's bikes here. I, I don't know. My parents would be... It wasn't the kind of thing we did. <laughs> I said to my daughter the other day, actually, I said, you're very lucky because... I like doing the kinds of things that children like. My parents weren't like that. I love, you know, a fun fair, a Disney film. I always want to do that kind of thing, more than her most of the time. I'm kind of waking <laughs> her up and going, oh, let's go to the zoo. That kind of thing. But my parents weren't really... Right. They were real grown-ups. Yeah. You know, they, they like to sort of go out for dinner and look in the windows of estate agents. <laughs> and we kind of stood there. Do you think that's generational? I think that might be generational. I mean, it might my, be generational. I think, it, you know, my parents were the... Were the you know, the, we didn't... We did some fun things, but we didn't... It wasn't... We didn't have just to do anything I don't like think, that. I think it was worse for them, you know. I think they look back and they regret it. Like, my, I remember my, my sister was... Like, her kids who were all grown up now, but it was more like they were sort nearly... More like friends than like you know you're the, you're the authority figure. But for my parents, it was like they had to keep everything in order and tell us off. And yeah, and then, but then they were sort of busy, weren't they? They yeah. were doing stuff. I, any of those things, I can't roller skate, ice skate. <laughs> I, I just I can't I can't I can't do lots of those things. I mean, there was I watched so much TV. I watched so much. Yeah, a TV. lot of TV. Like all the time, and I can't you know they were. And my parents were kind of very academically minded. And I can't believe they would... I wouldn't let my kids watch as much TV as I watched. It was insane. You know what, though? It's two different sorts of things you're identifying there. I can't ride a bike or do those sorts of things. Not knowing about art is a different thing. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say, oh, but you're cle- clever can mean different things. What I'm good at is appearing to be something. That's, that's why I was quite good at poker. I can pass myself off as things. Yeah. That works on Only Connect as well. I can look like I might be the kind of person that knows about things, but I'm not. <laughs> and even though I'm saying I'm not, you're thinking, you are really, I'm not. <laughs> it makes my husband very happy because even he 
in his heart of hearts, sometimes, secretly, he suspects that I'm cleverer than he is. <laughs> and I'm not, but he thinks that I am. So I will sometimes say things to him like, if you're looking at a map, is left and right the same if the map is upside down? <laughs> And he realises I'm a real moron. <laughs> and he, he finds it very reassuring. Can you, can you see things in your mind's eye? If you, can, if you close your eyes, can you visualise stuff? Yes. OK. I'm not a psychopath. I can't, visual, I can't, I can't visualise stuff. It's oh, not, really? Yeah, it's called aphantasia. It's nothing... It's not a, I, th- I think it's, it's like... a sign of sociopathy. Oh, I know. <laughs> do, do you think other people exist? Uh, yes, I do. But, you know, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> You know, I can't, you can't be sure, but, yeah, I do. Uh, I don't think not being able to see things in your mind is annoying. I didn't know. I didn't realise it until two years ago, and now I'm very annoyed. So I, what do you mean? You close your eyes and close, think of a rabbit, and you don't see a rabbit? Yeah. What do you see? Uh, sort of have a... I'll tell you. Nothing. <laughs> I sometimes... If I think of my wife or my kids, I have, a, like, a brief flash. I know what they look like, and it, it's kind of behind my... It's back there rather than there, so I'll have a, like... It's like a... Ref, it's like seeing a reflection on a pond go like that and disappear straight away. So I can sort of almost bring things to mind. If I'm falling asleep, I can sometimes see things, but not of my choice. So it's, I can dream. I see things in my okay, dream. Okay, hold on. <laughs> you see things in your mind, but not of your choice. If I'm dreaming, so like I, I can't control what I'm dreaming, and I, when I'm drifting off to sleep, Things I, I was so images will start coming into my mind then, but that's the only time. But but, if, but, if but you, not of my choice. But if you close your eyes and I say, "Think of a rabbit," yeah, you can't think of a rabbit, but you don't think of something else. I think the word rabbit, or I think of I, I have a idea, I have an idea of what a rabbit is without being able to see a picture of it. Does that apply to anyone else in this room? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's about okay. two in a hundred people. I find that creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got one testicle as well. Are you going to have a go? Is that a sociopathic thing? That's much more normal. Okay. <laughs> it's average. Um, <laughs> um, so, look, I love doing heresy, which I've done a couple of times. I mean, Ooh. it's a theories that kind of seems to come back every... It's like a sort every, of Haley's Comet or something. It comes around. Every like, four years <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, so like the Olympics of radio shows. What I like, I think it's a great show because it's, it's fun to be able to discuss, um, you know, controversial things within the veil of we're meant to be being controversial. But what I also like about it, which is very old school, is that after the show is over, you take everyone out for dinner. Yeah. Which is the sort of thing that someone like Ned Sheeran would do after loose ends <laughs> when you went to his party. But that's that's and and you, on, uh, you pay for it, I think, as well. Yeah, I do. And this is Radio Four money, so I yeah. make a loss on the series. Yeah, absolutely. You but I'm in it for the dinner. Yeah, the that, dinner's good. Yeah, that's 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 the that's that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's the dream is you make a show for Radio Four and go for dinner. Yeah, everything else is just. Have you ever thought about making the dinner the show? Do the show. Don't put the show out. Throw the show away, go for dinner and record that. I thought you said you liked the show. <laughs> I'm just saying if you ever thought of it. I know. It's 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 a really old school thing to do. It is an it? old school thing, but I but but doing radio is an old school thing. It, you know, it's it, it I find it slightly intimidating how many people have podcasts now. And I, as a rule now, don't go on people's podcasts. I make an exception for this one, and that is because I believe, and this is not funny, it's a serious point. 
I believe this podcast is your proper creative vision. You were sort of the first person to do it and you had a vision of it and this is it. And so it's a kind of perfect art form. There are millions of people that have podcasts now that I think they or their agent just thought, people have got a podcast. I'd better have a podcast. And they, and they say, come on it. And it's never any much. It's like people that you know or you've met or they're sort of friends genuinely three or four times a week get in touch. And go, you come and do this podcast. There isn't, we can't pay you, but do come and do it. And I just think, I know it's a, it's a generational gap, but what I wanted was to be on Radio 4. <laughs> and I understand maybe people don't listen to that much now and maybe they listen to different mediums and maybe a podcast is the way, but and I don't want to have a pod. I don't want to be a business person. I don't want my own YouTube channel. I don't want any of it. I want to be having dinner after a Radio 4 recording. <laughs> and I will, I'll die on that hill. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you must feel that. Because it, it, it's one thing to have this... I mean, I don't know how, at the point when you started this podcast, you figured out this was going to be something people were going to do. But that's the moment to be doing it. Yeah, well, I didn't know what it would be. I just knew I liked doing it. I like the creative freedom of it uh, and, and not having to bother with people telling you could do it or not. So that, that, was, that was the, you know, it, it, the, the ability to say whatever you wanted was interesting. But then it was interesting, the early podcasts we did, we'd sort of push back the boundaries of comedy and be as rude as we could be. And then you kind of get, when you're allowed to do it, it's not as much fun. Well, <laughs> no, but so. also even there... Because freedom can be a bad thing. Again, I will make an exception for this podcast, which is a particularly, it's a different thing. It's quite unique in that way. In general, what a lot of them are is what happens when performers don't have people telling them to stop. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, we'll just put out all two hours of it. It would be better if it was, you know, a quarter of the length. Yeah. When things aren't edited, they go on and on. Yeah, that's not what we do. <laughs> but, yeah, so I am now effectively... Subsidising and okay, even then they only want it every four years. We do this show. <laughs> Everybody's doing it almost for charity. The money's very small, yeah. and people turn up and do it for love of BBC Radio Four, which all performers feel, I think. Um, and then I spend any money I get from it on having dinner afterwards, <laughs> and subsidise that with, um, with gambling. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't feel so bad now. Think about it that way. Uh, but it's, it is nice. But yeah, I mean, but I think all these. Do you think I, I sort of feel? It, 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 I like it because it's old school. But like radios, t, I think TV's going to going to die out. And I think TV people haven't r- really appreciated that, as we understand it. TV is not something. People younger than us are interested in. TV should be much more geared towards people who are 50 and over because that's the only people who, like, still tune into it. Yeah, but but the people that are young now won't always be. I'm not sure you're right. I think everything's cyclical, and I think there is a a now growing appetite for the communal activity. I think everyone's splintered off in their little group watching a niche thing by themselves will become dull and the idea that we're all watching something at the same time together is going to be in the ascendant. I mean, whether it's in our lifetime, I don't know, but there will be a moment, you know, when... You know how people stopped using the phone because everyone was sending emails and they were all excited because email was the new thing. And then you stop for a moment and think, imagine if there was something like email, only... You didn't have to do any typing and you didn't have to wait. You just press one button and it makes a noise in the person's house and they hold a thing and you can just talk to them. 
amazing. And you have this moment where you look back and realise the old thing is the best thing. And I think that the, 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 the loneliness of self-programming will, will, will die off and people will return to TV in huge numbers. OK, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> you should get, get a podcast. Do, do a podcast. Just you know, come up with something. I think, you know, you're definitely right. It, it, it's definitely a, a medium where... Because I mean, it's locked, you know, lockdown happened. And you, as you say, you still managed to broadcast. But I, I, there, was a thing in your, there was a thing in one of your recent columns... Um, which I think is bang on. It's like people have forgotten about going to the cinema, right? And so, like, people yeah. don't go to the cinema. And you notice it. If you go... I, we used to go to the cinema at least once a month, and, and I think we're about to go this week for the first time in probably almost a year. Yeah, it's great. Even and with you, the kids. You just forget, and then yeah. you walk past one and go, oh, no, that's a thing. What's on at the cinema? But it's really great. I mean, I hope that they don't all close down because it's a... They are all closing down. I think it should come back. But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, it's interesting even within theatre, some things are flourishing still. But I think this, for example, was like before lockdown, we were basically... Whoever was on, we would more or less sell half or more of the tickets. And now it's a big struggle to get people to come out because, you know, they just thought, oh, I would stay at home, listen to it at home. Do you think we're sounding like a pair of 15,000-year-old squid? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, 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 in, it's interesting how something like that can change the landscape. So it could... You know, I, I don't think film is going to stop. I don't think cinema is going to stop. Uh, people will carry making films, but maybe they won't... People, maybe people won't go to a big room with some overpriced popcorn to eat it. But can you imagine for how long people have said theatre is dead? You know, when film was first invented, everyone in theatre was saying... This medium cannot survive. Even Shakespeare, you know, in, in Henry V. He said about cinema. Almost. Okay. <laughs> almost. It, 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 Shakespeare writes about a sort of apology for the fact that he's about to attempt to present the Battle of Agincourt with a cast of about six. And uh, I think he calls something like some rusty swords and wood no, meaning a little theatre and some cheap props. I can't do it. And he almost anticipates one day there will be a way of presenting the Battle of Agincourt realistically. And if you see Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, it's that. Right. There's a film version, you go, wow, that just is the Battle of Agincourt. But people still go to the theatre. Mm-hmm. So that's a note of hope for you. We'll see. Don't go to music hall anymore, do they? What happened to music hall? Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> things come, things go. That's what I say to you. Um... <laughs> You've done, uh, have I got news for you, 25 times. Have I? Yeah. I think you and I did, the, your first appearance was my first appearance on Have I Got News For You. I might, might be wrong. I've done it two times. <laughs> <laughs> that year and then the next year, and then that stopped. That's, I mean, so you basically do every series of, you've basically been in every series of Have I Got News For You since you were on Have I Got News For You in 2010. I, I, I've, I think I've done the last few. Yeah. Yes. It's, I mean, it's, it's good. You say because you got into hosting it, right? So do you do you always host it, or do you sometimes on the panel stuff? I haven't been a panelist for a long time. I mean, hosting it obviously I much prefer because you know you know what the stories are going to be, so you know what the answers are, and they write jokes for you. So that's a bit of a no-brainer. It's it's very good fun to host, and they let me do it because I'm quite good at sight reading. So I can read out the jokes off the audio cue, and they don't have to do lots of retakes. Right. So it's my only skill. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's amazing that show is. Do you think it's ever going to end? Because they all get to a point and mock the week's going now, and Buzzcocks went and has come back again. 
But it's so, I know that host now changes. It would be interesting to know whether, A, it would have survived if that hadn't happened, and B, if Angus Deaton would still be doing it or this time later if, if all that hadn't happened. I don't I mean, I, I'm a fan of the show. As a viewer, I'm a fan of it. I hope it doesn't end. I just hosted it last week, and I just, I just thought they were being so funny. I mean, it was a, it's a, it was a frightening week, and, yeah. um, you know, just all sorts of... You think, oh, maybe it's the end of the world... And you tune into that show and you go, wow, they're still making comedy out of it. I sometimes forget that I'm hosting. I'm sitting in the middle and Paul has gone off on a tangent about something. I'm just laughing at it. And it's so kind of comforting, but at the same time challenging. So I, I hope it doesn't. I mean, it, TV people particularly can be in the business of going, oh, let's just get rid of it and have a new thing. And sometimes you don't, you don't need that. But I don't think they're going to. It doesn't happen. I think it would have happened if it was going I mean, it would have happened... Yeah, I hope, it, I, hope it, I hope it doesn't. I, hope I think, you know, ironically, I think the host change is what is what keeps it alive, right? Yeah, that, that keeps it, that's yeah. quite fresh, because yeah. you can always wait and see. Yeah. Well, yeah. so well done for, maybe, do you, think, do you think when it comes to the end of, have I got news for you, you'll have done it more times than I will, or do you think I might catch up? <laughs> I think you might catch up because I'm more likely to say something really awful and get cancelled. I, I don't think you are. <laughs> I think if I do 25 of them, I've got news for you, so I'll be cancelled before too long. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have, have a word with them, Victoria, and tell them I haven't been on for, I haven't been on for 11 years. <laughs> I had a wonderful little 2010. It was when I had a Hitler moustache. Maybe I should go back to that Hitler moustache. Yeah, maybe. I think it would really fit in with the zeitgeist now. I was ten years ahead, that was the problem. It's, if you could be openly right-wing, it would yeah. be good, because there's a real shortage. Honestly, in topical comedy... I'll do that. There's a real shortage of right-wingers. If you're going to be, don't snow, not ironically. No, you I'll have to it. mean it. I, I fancy the most evil Tories. They're, they're my, they're my sexual fantasies. Already the word evil has given you away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good thing. In, in sexiness terms, you can't be sexy if you're not a little bit evil. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I used to think that, and then I married someone who's not evil at all. No, it's not the way I thought I'd go. Yeah. But there it My is. My wife's barely evil, but, you know, she's, she's got enough evil in there to keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, darling. I'm sorry about this man on this podcast. <laughs> he's so horrible. Um... Well, look, uh, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but uh, I'm going to. Um, it's good. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's no rush. My husband's in a play up the road. Yeah. And um, he wants to go drinking afterwards, so I can't turn oh, up to good. collect him too early. How's, how's it going? I've seen good uh, reviews of his, of his... It's great. Yeah. It's great. This is, don't put this bit in your podcast, because that looks weird. I'm just bugging you. If you haven't seen Upstart Crow, it's, it's really good. I mean, West End theatre tickets are very expensive, but I would say in this case it's worth it. Is it as good as Mary Poppins, which I saw yesterday? Does he... Spoiler alert for Mary Poppins. Does David Mitchell fly into the audience at the end and on a, with an umbrella and, and actually get into the... She flies. It's the only good bit. I didn't really enjoy Mary Poppins. But if, if she flies... There's a bit where the man, the, the chimney sweep man, but... Like, it's a big proceeding in march. He walks up the, w- the wall, walks across the ceiling and walks down. And all I could think is that one day that's going to break that thing, isn't it? Sort of is gonna, someone's going to see that guy fall. It, it's, that Mary Poppins show is absolutely... It's wonderful. So right. it's an unfair question you ask. Okay. Obviously, yes, the, the show my husband is in is better than anything. 
but the Mary Poppins is very, very good. If you're, if, if you're right. looking for a magnificent children's show with songs and people... Don't you think it's arrogant of them in that Mary Poppins show to change some of the songs and put in their own songs? I think they're arrogant. They don't change them, do they? They've changed a load of the fucking oh, songs. No, they haven't. And, they, and they've added a load of their own shit songs in it that aren't as good. Is this and they've you... taken out some of the good songs. No. They have. They do don't you fall do... asleep during it? They don't do low. They don't do like, they don't do the, any of the bank ones. They don't do. Um, there's a pr- pretty major. They don't do the. And I love to laugh. I can understand them taking that bit out. They tried to going back to the books. Well, the books are the books are wonderful and weird. Yeah, no, the, but the books are. Sure, I've made a documentary about them. Okay. The, the the books are really good. I didn't like the Mary Poppins sequel film. <laughs> that I thought was. I thought it was arrogant to try and do that. I don't. Arrogant. Yes. Yeah. I think they're arrogant to the add a bit show, to supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They spell out supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I can't even say it. So that's how bad it is. Have they gone back to the original songs and put more of them in? There's some of the original songs from the original film, but they go and fuck around with them. And the Sherman Brothers were very good. I think they might all be original Sherman Brothers stuff from the stage show and the changes were made at the point of the film. Well, then that's all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> then I have no complaints. <laughs> Apart from it being a bit childish and scary. Um, but get, tell David he should do a bit where he flies. <laughs> tell him just a new end. He's got to get an umbrella and fly up yeah. right to the top of the theatre. And then he's got to rush down for the curtain call. That's the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> so he flies up, and then suddenly he's in the curtain call. I'll, I'll pass that on. He does a dance. Petula Clark's in it. I didn't know in, in yes. Mary Poppins. I didn't mm. know. I couldn't understand why everyone thought the bird lady was so good. <laughs> got a mass around the floor. Oh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> then I found out it was Petula Clark, and she yes. was good. Yes, she's very good. She wasn't the best thing in it, though, was she? She just comes on and sings about tuppence. Yeah, but Judah, because she's 100 years old, and she does come on and sing, and that's impressive. <laughs> no, she's good. I'm saying she's good. Stop trying to say she's no good. Well, you it's... brought this up by saying, <laughs> is my husband's show as good as Mary Poppins, which I saw yesterday, and everything you've said about yeah. it is negative. Is it as good as Mary Poppins <laughs> with its awful modern songs and its disappointing Petula Clark? Yeah, and the it's, bit it's, 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 it's good as that. It's, that's what I think it is. I think it's worse than that. That's what I'm saying. Um, uh, he's a, a wonderful man. <laughs> is it still going all right between you two? Yes, we're, we're very happy. Yeah, it's going you. all right. Yes. Imagine if I got you there. Right. Imagine that I... could have been in the Daily Mail. I could have been in no. the Daily Mail with a tiny credit at the bottom saying Richard yeah. Herring's podcast. <laughs> there was some doubt on Victoria's face. <laughs> but she insisted everything. Victoria Corrin insists her marriage is going well. Insists, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's going fine. Um, what can we expect? There's more. More is only Connect going to go on forever as well. Yes, but these are very serious questions. I thought this show was all about if you were a mouse, would you rather have sex with a walnut or an orange? <laughs> no, but now you answer the question. <laughs> answer your own question. It can be no. You know, it can be the beauty of this show. I don't know what he said. I love the fact he said I had a vision. I don't even fucking know what's going on now. Um, it, it changes every time we do it. It just depends on okay. uh, the, mo- the mood in the air. 
There's a mood of, of, of craziness in the air. And I, I've, I, the last three days, you don't know here, you weren't here last week, I've been driving into London and people are just driving their car, trying to drive the car into you, trying to run into the road. London's gone insane. Something's, got, something's going to go down in London. You see if I'm... People who are listening to this podcast know that I'm right. That's the, the people in the audience have no idea. The people at home, the mutilated m- mutants. <laughs> he was right. He was right about London. I'd, after I do, like, so I've been going on for a long time. I go a bit crazy by this time. <laughs> <isn't> that? <laughs> That's why I was trying to wrap it up. Um, oh, look, we've done loads. We've done loads. Um, more Only Connect? More heresy? Going to do more heresy before? Mm, no? Maybe, yes. Okay. Maybe in a couple of years. Uh-huh. He- only Connect, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, more poker? So have you really, so you've been playing a bit of poker, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, it is, it is trickier. It is trickier when you want to be at home, but yeah, a bit more. Okay. New husband? <laughs> no, I no. think I, I think, stick. I think I'll stick, stick. with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I've got nothing else for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> You're a big sex symbol, Victoria, for everything that you, for everything, for all your, for all your talk of, you know, I'm not that great and I worry about this and all your teenage diaries worrying about it, to be, you know, Approaching your middle years. <laughs> I don't think I'm a big sex symbol. You are symbol. a big sex symbol. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you are, so deal with it. <laughs> so congratulations on that. I, I, I know. I think I'm unusual as a woman of being on TV is that I seem attainable. I, I, think that, I, don't think, I don't think that's true at I all. I don't think anybody thinks she's out of my league. <laughs> yeah, I think they do. I think that would, that's, that's all that is. No, I disagree. But, um, well, that's, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I better, I better stop. <laughs> I think I better stop this now. Um, it's always lovely to see you. Come on again in another eight years. I'd be very happy okay, to. Okay, brilliant. You can come on earlier if you like. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the amazing Victoria Corrin Mitchell. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Victoria Corrin Mitchell. Thank you to Scant Regard. That's the music. That's the band. They play it on instruments. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of the GoFasterStripe.com team and the Sky Potato team. Thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre who look after us so nicely. Head to LeicesterSquareTheatre.com to find out when our next gigs are. We're here nearly all the time, pretty much any Monday you choose. Come on down and see. This is Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Even if you don't have any friends, just shout about it at the bus stop until somebody listens. Thank you very much. Goodbye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love, and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And, um... Would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.